The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. It's 3.06 on the 6.30 Ched Afternoon News. Brenton Dreger in for Andrew and Jay Lynn this week. They're having a lot of fun in Mexico in the sun with lucky 6.30 Ched uh, listeners. As promised in this hour, we mentioned this earlier, uh, pretty excited for a segment that uh, I have entitled So You Think You Can Drive. So You Think You Can Drive. We've brought in studio a couple of driving experts, if we can uh, call. Do do you mind being called that? I'll be anything you want. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, It's uh, Sharon Callback, owner of Sharon's Driving School, and Rick Lang, manager of AMA Driver Education. So we've brought a couple of driving experts in studio to uh, give us the straight goods on what it takes to really be a good driver. Uh, Driving is one of those things where I think whenever you're like, well, like, it's all those other lousy drivers. I actually know what I'm doing. And so this hour, we're going to be looking for uh, your driving pet peeves. Or maybe maybe if you have a driving question and you've always wondered and uh, haven't been sure how to ask, how should I actually navigate a traffic circle? Am I act- Do I actually know how to do this right? Uh, you can text in your questions as well to 630. Uh, 6.30. So... The complaint line is open. The request line is open for So You Think You Can Drive. Uh, Maybe to start, Rick and Sharon, we can just uh, get to know you a little bit. So give us a brief introduction of uh, who you are and what you do when it comes to driver education. Well, as you say, my name is Rick Lang. I've been a manager of driver education for quite some time. I started with AMA as an instructor almost 39 years ago. I've taught in-car classroom. I've written programs. I do everything it takes to run the driving school for AMA around the entire province. Okay. Excellent. And I'm Sharon Callback. I did start with driver's education many years ago, about 14. I started with a small school at Basic Driving School. And from there, I've worked up to some of the bigger schools. And this past year, I've opened up my own driving school. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, How do you go about opening your own driving school? It's a lot of paperwork and you have to be a senior instructor. You have to have experience with teaching classroom. You have to do in-car training instructors is also a good quality to have too as well and a large variety of age groups and stuff. So I've done right from 14 right up to 99. So if you sign up for like a driving school or some sort of driving or education, uh, how long is the program? Generally speaking, a beginner program is 15 to 18 hours of classroom time and 10 to 20 hours of behind-the-wheel time. Now, depending how much prior experience you have as a driver will dictate the program you should take. So if you've got very little experience behind the wheel, you should take 14 or 20 hours behind the wheel to get yourself to the skills where you really need to be safe and confident behind the wheel. A lot of people take very few lessons, think they can pass the road test. They may pass the road test, but they really don't know how to drive because a road test does not cover going around a traffic circle, going down a one-way street, merging onto freeway traffic. It is huh. basic four left turns, four right turns, a speed zone, a school zone. Hey, you pass, you fail. Really? Yes. <laughs> ha- have Has it changed in 
I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years or the same road test that, you know, everybody else took when they were 16 or whatever? This is the issue. It has not changed in over 50 years. I've had my license for almost 50 years now. It has not changed at all. It's virtually identical test. Driving has changed tremendously in the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years with increase in traffic and a whole lot of interesting things happening on the road today. But the actual road test has not changed. Huh. So should it change? What would you add? I believe that they should actually do a full full test on traffic circles, freeway, downtown, one ways. And probably right now a lot of people are nodding in agreement saying, if you don't know how to merge on the white mud, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be on there. <laughs> exactly. What Alberta has is two road tests. <laughs> one, they've got the GDL probationary test, which is 20 minutes. And then they've got the advanced road test to exit GDL, which is upwards of an hour. That should be the basic test. Find out what you actually can do, can't do, and it tests you in real-world driving situations. So you go around a traffic circle, you merge onto high-speed expressway, you have to make lane changes in traffic rather than out in the middle of nowhere where there's hardly any traffic around. You get your basic license. Huh. Mm-hmm. And I think when they renew their license, when it's up for expiry, they actually should do a mandatory road test to all drivers. Like like how often is that every every five every years five when oh when you have to license. go in and get your picture taken and all that yeah, just, oh yeah. wow it would really crack down on the drivers to make sure they actually follow the rules and keep following the rules yeah that's an interesting concept but we've done a whole lot of research at AMA where it shows that mandatory testing every five years does not do one little bit of good for traffic safety <laughs> the interesting really? thing is the vast majority of drivers know what they're supposed to do but they <laughs> choose not to do it but if they know they're being evaluated tested or whatever they'll do what they're supposed to do and as so soon as they get back on yeah. the road they're back to their normal driving habits <laughs> I see uh, who are your do you have a typical client I guess would it be newer Canadians young drivers maybe people who let their licenses lapse seniors what's a typical driving school client um, usually it's the young people that's just getting their license but typically we can still get older people that maybe haven't driven for a while or they've come from another country and they want to basically be able to pass their test that they know the rules of the road in their country, but they've never really driven here, and they've maybe never, ever driven in snow. For one thing, we drive on the right side of the road. Yeah. I don't mean correct. I mean left. (laughs) On the right side, Yeah, although you could make the argument, I suppose. So what are the common mistakes that new drivers make? What do you see the most? Ah, new drivers, a lot of times, especially when they're practicing for their Class 5 road test, is inexperience behind the wheel. They just do not have the time behind the wheel to be confident in what they're doing. They don't know about gap analysis when you decide to make a left turn across a path to travel of another vehicle. Uh, hesitant making lane changes instead of putting foot on the gas to make a lane change. A lot of times people reach for the brake, and all of a sudden that gap they did have is gone and they can really slow down traffic. That's just a couple of them. There's tons of errors and driving mistakes that people make on an ongoing daily basis. Some of those sound kind of like confidence issues. If you're a confident driver, I mean, not not that confidence necessarily makes up for everything because some people are confident when they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. But for example, making those lane changes at high speed, that is a bit of a comfort and a confidence thing. It is comfort and confidence. A lot of times, if you take a look at winter driving, you have people who are overconfident and drive way too fast for road conditions. Uh-huh. And then you got people who are super nervous and instead of doing near the speed limit, i.e. 50k on the road, they're doing 15 or 20k, causing a whole lot of grief for a lot of other motors on the road. So you got to have proper confidence with the mm-hmm. skill set to back it up. 
Yeah. What about you, Sharon? What's uh, the top of your list of common mistakes the, the newbies make? Very much the same kind of things, but when they're nervous and they have people very close behind them and they're expecting them to be able to just drive like a regular driver, that they forget that they're new driver and there's a sign on the roof that's saying it's a student driver, they'll be right on your tail and they're expecting the student to go, go, go. You're telling them to go, 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 they're nervous and sometimes they'll hit the brake instead of the gas pedal. Huh. And it's like, I think for drivers forget that they're new drivers and that they need that little bit of space just to reduce the, reduce the risk that you have on the road. Huh. Challenge drivers to think back to when they first were behind the wheel. Exactly. What were they like? Yeah, that could be two years ago or 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. Give the student driver a break because you never know what they're going to do because we've all seen weird and wonderful things happen behind the wheel with student drivers and experienced drivers. Well, I wanted to ask yeah. you about that too. So we, we've picked on the newbies a little bit and, you know, shot them down for their lack of confidence and mm-hmm. comfort, you know, merging at high speeds. What about those experienced drivers when you uh, come across people who've clearly been driving for a long... I mean, you touched on this, Rick, how people know how to drive, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they uh, act like it all the time. So we are part of a highway transportation system trying to get people who use the roads, whether it be motorists, cyclists, pedestrians, whatever, from point A to point B safely. A lot of experienced drivers don't really buy into that scenario and they Mm -hmm. think it is all about me. As long as I get to the destination, however quickly I can roll through stop signs, I can do U-turns where I'm not supposed to do. I really don't care about any other road users. It's all about about me yes and there's the issue <laughs> yeah they forget the signal they like blow through lights and like lane changes and they don't shoulder check sometimes you get international drivers from other countries they'll beep the horn they're coming over to your lane mm. and they forget they're actually supposed to signal shoulder check they just expect you to move and let them in mm-hmm. if you yeah. ever want to hit a hot button for most people just we do comment on their driving ability <laughs> 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 that's true if you're sitting in the back and you say come on you don't that's not how you drive if I ever want a really good fight with my wife, all I have to do is make one little comment on how she drives. And there it is. <laughs> it's coming up on uh, 316. We've got lots of texts to get to. Uh, somebody on the call line as well. Uh, so 630, 630, if you want to let us know your, your driving pet peeve, and we'll uh, get the experts here to weigh in here on So You Think You Can Drive on 630 Ched. It's 318, 6.30, Chad. So you think you can drive with Sharon Callback, owner of Sharon's Driving School, and Rick Lang, manager of AMA Driver Education, and special guest just uh, for a bit here, 6.30, Chad producer Brad Whisker. When we uh, when we booked this segment, Brad Brad's one request was, I got a question. I got a burning issue. So, Brad, <laughs> for the pet peeve airing of the grievances, you get the first hot take. Okay. And I need to preface this by saying I do appreciate that they've they've put this in their vehicle, but <laughs> and I'm in one day, this was last week, in a matter of an hour, driving from work back home, I saw three different vehicles with a simple piece of paper printed off, big bold pretty letters new driver and every single one of them made a mistake one was going 40 in a 60 another one had no idea how to properly merge lanes and another person attempted a parallel park but ended up parking on a complete angle almost blocking a lane of traffic and to me when they print this off and put it on the back of their vehicle they're saying everybody heads up I'm a new driver. I may or may not know what I'm doing, but 
I need you to accommodate my mishaps in any way possible. <laughs> now, what do you suggest for new drivers to do? Is this printed off piece of paper something that is advised? Should they have something else on their vehicle? What do you tell somebody to do when they're going to be out driving for the first time? This is an interesting comment that uh, at AMA Driver Ed, we supply new driver signs for our students so they can put them in the back of mom or dad's vehicle to warn other drivers that yes, I am a new driver. I may or may not do things correctly. Give me a break because I may not be able to do the speed limit or merge properly. So it's a way of warning other drivers. The problem is other drivers really want to get to their destination as quickly as they possibly can and could really care less about anybody else on the road. So it's like, let's do whatever we can to create problems for this new driver. I've yeah. lived in a few different cities, grew up in Ottawa, lived in Grand Prairie, lived in Red Deer, lived in Edmonton. This city has to be the most aggressive city when it comes to driving. And I feel like those signs just irritate drivers and make them drive even more aggressively. Sometimes that can happen too, where you'll see that a person will have a sign like that on their vehicle, even if we're in a driver's training car, and we'll see another vehicle around us that has a new driver's sign on it. They're doing that for their protection, for trying to keep them a little bit less nervous for going out to practice with their family. And for their parents too, because most parents are scared when they take them out driving, they don't have the brake to use like we hmm. do and we only mm -hmm. have a brake we don't have a gas pedal so sometimes we can tell them go 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 and they're just sitting there they're, they're like stunned or somebody's beeping a horn at them they're scared and we're trying to get them to move and sometimes you just have to get them out of traffic when you get your license and i remember this myself i was so eager to go up to my parents and say can I please have the car tonight? I want to go out. I want to go drive to my <laughs> friend's house and then drive as many friends as I can anywhere they want to go. Huh. Do you ever suggest that maybe the first few times they want to take the car out, that they have somebody else with them, not necessarily a parent, but a friend that is a more experienced driver that's had their license for more than just a day or two? Really what you're talking about is graduated driver's licenses. It started 25 years ago in Australia and New Zealand, and they have some really interesting laws there about new drivers. Number one is, if you're a brand new driver, teenager, you cannot have any peer age passengers in the vehicle other than your siblings. And we find this out because peer pressure in the vehicle will get the new driver to do weird and wonderful things. How fast would this vehicle go? How quickly can you around a corner. So a recipe for disaster with a new driver is to load the car full of your teenage friends and away you go. Yeah. I've been around for a while and hey, that's how it was when I grew up in the 60s and early 70s. Pile as many kids in there and let's have some fun. And we had some interesting things and thankfully I'm sitting here talking to you guys rather than being somewhere else. <laughs> Uh, we want to get to the phones here. We got a few minutes before we got a break for the news, and Al has been waiting very patiently. Uh, Al, do you have a, a driving pet peeve you want to get off your chest? Yeah, hello. Hey. Yeah, well, um, one of the main things is uh, I think, well, I think Edmonton drivers are probably the most aggressive anywhere. I've been from Vancouver. When I went to driving school some 35, 40 years ago, I was taught to not change lanes in the middle of an intersection. And whether you're turning left or you're turning right, you turn to the inside lane. Yep. Now I've seen people, including RCMP officers, uh -oh. change lanes, start on the inside lane and finish on the outside lane. I've seen people actually at the corner of Hebert 
St. Albert Trail in St. Albert, start on the inside lane and go four lanes over to go on to the Anthony Handy, all while their left turn signal's on. Hmm. I think it's impossible to turn right and left at the same time. <laughs> so, well, there you go, so bringing I, science into it, Al. So, so what's the law in Alberta? Is it different? Uh, good question. The law in Alberta is virtually identical to everywhere else. It is always uh, turn into the lane that you've left. So if you're making a right-hand turn, you're in the curb lane, you turn in the curb lane unless there's a sign telling you otherwise. Yeah. Left hand, it's the lane closest left of center, right of center into that same lane you live. And thus, there's another uh, sign telling you to go elsewhere. However, a lot of people just turn from whatever lane is most convenient to the whatever lane is most convenient. We've all seen people make right-hand turns from the extreme left lane and vice versa. And it really creates problems for other motors on the road. Hmm. Yep. All right, Kate, thanks for the call, Al. Is that indeed the law, though? Is that indeed the law, he says? Is that? That is the law. That's the law. law. So you could get ticketed. You can get ticketed. Chances are unlikely, but you could be. Hmm. Okay, Al, good good question. Thanks for the call. Bye-bye. we got a lot more to get to here on the text line. Uh, this one uh, piqued my interest as well. Uh, Pete in Red Deer says, What is truly the correct way to handle oncoming high beam lights? Why that's interesting to me is, I think it was a week, maybe two ago, we had a news story about uh, somebody who was who, who did the old, you know, you're driving down a rural highway, and uh, this uh, driver thought that the oncoming car had the high beams on, so gave him the little flash. And turns out the other vehicle was a sheriff or a Mountie, I can't remember, and the driver ended up getting a ticket for flashing the high beams at an oncoming car, which, I mean, I grew up out in the country, and that's totally how you do it on every highway I've been on. If you think their high beams are on, you flash them a little bit. So what's the what's the rule with that? Well, the rule is if you've got a vehicle oncoming within 300 meters, you have to dip your high beams to low beams. Mm-hmm. If you're following a vehicle, 150 meters. Now, the problem is if you flash somebody with their high beams, it can entice road rage. So we don't advise people to dip their high beams, flash their high beams. You take a look at uh, vehicles. If you're sitting in a truck here, lights may be a little higher, especially if you're in a little car. You may have high intensity lights that may seem like your high beams are on, but they're really not. So what we advise is, you know, look at the shoulder line of the road as far up on the right as you possibly can. Try not to look at those oncoming lights. Don't flash them because you never know what may happen, especially in a road rage situation because <laughs> oh. looking into the uh, high beams of cars coming towards you can actually blind you up to a minute so if you're flashing your high beams at someone and they have their high beams on too as well you can both drive blinded for up to a minute and you can end up having a head-on collision so if somebody's coming at you with the high beams you just have to suck it up that no, is probably the, the safest thing to do is <laughs> oh, man look as far down that curb line as you possibly can see <laughs> huh all right All right, there you go. There's your answer, Pete. Um, Okay, a lot of people getting into this one. We've got uh, lots of hot topics to get to here. I'm sure the zipper merge is going to come up, dare I say, which I got some opinions on that too. Uh, (laughs) But the people, there's a couple texts here about uh, slow cars in the fast lane. And John says, my driving pet peeve is left laners, those who have no business in the left lane yet stay there. So I want to get your take on the the left lane. And is there a difference between the, the city and the highway? Well, you're supposed to be in the right lane or the slower lane if you're driving for a long period of time. If you're trying to pass, then you want to go to the left lane. Now, is that just on a highway or does that also count in the city? You should be in the city too as well. Really? Yeah. 
It's interesting that uh, years and years ago, one of the old transportation ministers said he's not going to put signs on the road that says keep right except the pass because he put down two lanes of pavement there and he wanted people to use both lanes of pavement. So we don't have a law in Alberta that says keep right except to pass, but we have the social convenience of slower traffic, please keep right. Yeah. No matter how fast you're going in the left lane, there's always going to be somebody who wants to go faster than you. Always. So well, just, look, just look at the Kiwi too. It's it's not slow, medium, fast. It's it's go, go, go. I just want to be in the left lane. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. It's uh, 328. we got to take a break for the news, but uh, more of your calls, more of your texts coming up. Yeah, Brad? I just wanted to say, I'm not going to be here for the rest of the segment. Okay. So one, you've calmed me down a little bit. Okay. Two, two, if I'm driving home today and I see one of those new driver signs, I will do my best. If they do something incorrectly, you may have another text coming into the text. Ooh, all right. 328, we're off to the news. More uh, driving pet peeves with So You Think You Can Drive on 630 Chad. Conversation with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. So you think you can drive? My name is Brenton Dreger in for Andrew and Jalen in studio with Sharon Callback from Sharon's Driving School and Rick Lang, manager of AMA Driver Education. Uh, we've had some people uh, ask about this already, so maybe we just need to get the rules straight up for you before we go back to the phones here and get some more uh, pet peeves on what Edmonton drivers do. Traffic circles. We've had some people asking, what exactly are the rules, and specifically around signaling? When you Do you signal, you know, you come in, do you signal left and stay left? When you come in, can you take the first exit to the right, or do you have to go, if you're going in in the left lane, do you have to go at least to the second exit? How, can you break down the traffic circle here? Is there an easy way to explain it for people who are not entirely sure what they need to do? It's an interesting thing. Traffic circles create all sorts of uh, interesting things for a lot of drivers. They can speed up traffic flow in non-peak times and slow down traffic flow in peak times. Mm -hmm. So what the law really states is this. The person on the inside lane, that's the left lane, has the right of way when they want to get out of there. So anybody in the right lane or the outside lane has to yield and let the other driver out. Having said that, I could go around the traffic circle 47 times in the outside <laughs> lane legally providing I let anybody on the inside out when they wanted to. Oh. Yes. So there is the law. So what we teach is if you're going to go halfway, three quarters way, or the full way around, use the inside lane. If you're going to go out the first exit, obviously use the outside lane. But people sometimes enter on the inside lane. They go into the outside lane when they're halfway around, back to the inside lane, and they exit in whatever lane they so choose because they have no clue how to drive in a traffic <laughs> circle. Yeah, keep in the same lane. And that because multiple lane changes, you have to watch out for that for people that could come into your lane or stray outside their mm -hmm. boundaries of their lanes mm -hmm. and also watch out for the transit buses because they can go all around the outside because they're big. Oh, and you have yeah. to yield to them because of size. The nice thing about signaling is you want to communicate with other road users. Hmm. Tell mm -hmm. them what you're going to do. I would much rather have you tell me what you're going to do than all of a sudden me to figure out through whatever Guessing. mind meld you <laughs> want to do is what is the dude or do that going to do behind the wheel because if you're not telling me I don't know yeah which actually raises another point somebody brought up in the text line is is a signal 
uh, asking permission or telling you what they're doing? Is it asking or telling? It is more uh, a combination of both. Mm. What we say is you don't have the right away until somebody gives you the right away. So the other thing is a, a communication device is, yeah, hey, I would like to make a lane change to the left. Some people say, no, I'm going to make a lane change left, and other people just make a lane change and tell me after they've made the lane change. All right, let's go back to the phones here. David's been waiting patiently, and uh, David, I understand you're, you're, you drive for a living? Yes, sir. I've been driving for over 30 years. All right. What, what, what do you need to get off your chest today, David? Uh, well, your, your guests have done a good job of starting to cover it. But, yeah, it's self-centered. People drive without enough. They, they don't put enough respect into what they are doing. They got a piece of machinery. They're propelling down the road 60, 70, <laughs> more than that mile an hour, and they don't take it seriously enough. And it's like your one guest. Uh, mentioned it's like yeah i'm gonna do it because i want to do it i'm gonna do it because i don't care about anybody else and you know without any thought like you say the 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 signal light and everything else and they they need to take what they're doing more seriously it affects everybody else all right david thanks for the call i got a pet peeve if you give me a minute oh sure absolutely (laughs) that's that's what we're here for and that's the people that well, I drive semi for a living, and okay. I've drove as big as they get in North America. And people that want to drive up alongside a semi and then sit there. Oh, if the semi needs to move over, he can't because you're there, and those tires are inflated to over 100 pounds of pressure, and they're rolling at 70 mile an hour. If those things break loose, they're coming not necessarily through your window; they'll come through the side of your car. Yeah. And they're going to take you out. And even as a big truck, I don't want to sit alongside another big truck, let alone in my personal vehicle. And I've taught my lady, you get anywhere. If you can't get by the semi, don't start going by them. It's really interesting to say that because what I like to tell people is the trucker may have the right of way, but they also have the right of weight. I don't want to be anywhere near you at 112,000 pounds going down the road at 70 miles an hour. David, I, I was hoping we'd get at least one call from a trucker, so thank you for uh, making my dreams come true. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. All, okay. right. <laughs> All right. Well, appreciate the call nonetheless. Uh, excellent point. Yep. If you got I mean, you better be safe around a semi. Uh, interesting point that you don't even want to be beside them for any length of time. It's, it, I mean, on a, when you're talking about four-lane highways, uh, I think people get almost a little bit too comfortable with just very slowly meandering out and passing. Is that a bit of a problem? Some people are bringing that up here too, and it ties into the the left laners uh, criticism that some people have. Is so. Let's say you're going down. Um, the Anthony Henday or the QE2 and you pull over into the left lane to pass somebody and you're going 110 and they're going 100 and then somebody behind you is going 115 and they are riding your tail because you're not going fast enough for them. Can you, uh, whose side would you like to take in that age-old debate? Um, Well, you basically don't want to pass unless you know you can't pass the person and you want to do it safely and you want to try and not exceed the speed limit if you can help it. (laughs) But if there's someone like coming up too fast on your tail, you have to get out of the way and that because he's going to come right over you too. 
But what if they are speeding and breaking the law and you're, you know, just bending the speed limit and uh, the person behind you is tailgating you because they're going too fast? So this is a challenge. <laughs> what I like to say is this. If I've got somebody <laughs> I don't like their driving style, I would rather have them in front of me than they behind me. Yep. So what I'm going to do, if that dude comes up uh, 5, 10, 15K faster than I'm going, I want to get past that vehicle in as short a period of time as I possibly can to let this dude go by so we can continue on doing whatever he's going to do behind the wheel so I can go back to my safe following distance, acceptable speed, etc. So if somebody behind you is an idiot, just let them be an idiot once they pass you again. Yes. Exactly. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> 3.44. Uh, let's try and squeeze in one more call before we take a quick break. Before, uh, just a heads up. We've got the, the two driving experts in here in studio, Sharon Callback and Rick Lang. I want to put you on notice. I'd like to get some uh, driver driver lesson horror stories, too, if you can uh, start filing those out of your brain in just a second. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines here and check in with Glenn and St. Albert. Glenn, the floor is yours. What's your pet peeve? I uh, don't really have a pet peeve. Oh, okay. I just wanted to uh, uh, give you a little lesson on maybe... Some people don't know this. I was working up in Grand Prairie, and I was working on seven different job sites. So I was driving just what all day. Mm -hmm. And I heard some guy say he got a ticket for turning left, turning right, on a, on a red light. And I've been driving for 40-some years, and I did not know that was, a, that was a rule. Turning right on a red light? Turning right. On a red light. All right, experts. Yeah. What's the what's the rule on that? Uh, uh, the rule is you get a ticket. You okay? Yeah. Alberta and changes. So by the time I got back to Edmonton, I figured I'm going to have like forty or fifty tickets in my t in my <laughs> mailbox. <laughs> okay. Okay. Rick, take it away. Okay. In 1971, yeah. Alberta Transportation has changed the laws to say that you can make a right turn on a red after you come to a full stop, Please satisfy stop, yeah. the legal yeah. requirements, wait for pedestrians, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So okay, in I, Alberta, I you can make a right wrong. turn on yeah. a red light, no problem yeah. at all. After but the main thing go. is you must stop first. Yeah. A whole lot of people uh, slow down, take a look. I can go, and away they go. They Now, there are a few intersections that state you cannot make a right turn on a red light. There is a sign there. A lot of them are in the downtown Edmonton core where we've got the new bike lanes up there, so you can't make a right turn on a red light there. And there's a few others around the city. But vast majority of intersections in the province of Alberta, you can make a right on a red. All right. Okay. One other point a lot of people don't understand is if you're in a marked one-way street, turning onto a marked one-way street, a left turn, you can make that turn on a red light, providing you stop first yeah. and let everybody else do their thing. And if it's safe to go, you can make the turn on that red light. Okay. 347, we've got to take a quick break. We're back with uh, So You Think You Can Drive in a moment here on 630 Ched. It's 3.49, so you think you can drive. Brenton Dreej are in for Andrew and Jay Lynn, joined in studio by Sharon Callback from Sharon's Driving School and Rick Lang, manager of AMA Driver Education. Before we get to some more pet peeves uh, from people on the text line and hopefully a call or two here as well, uh, you know, you've been educating drivers for quite a while. Do you have any, any horror stories that come to mind when you think of uh, people that have walked through your doors and driven in your cars? 
A number of years ago, I had a gentleman, uh, not necessarily elderly, but getting up towards there, and you want to learn how to drive traffic circles. So I do the chalk talk with them, get them all ready to go. We get about three quarters way around a traffic circle, and he's not doing too well, so I get him on the traffic circle. I notice it's interesting, I'm going to use the word aroma coming from the uh, the driver's seat. So I looked over to him, he looks at me, he smiles and says, don't like traffic circles, lose control over bowels. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well, top that, Sharon. <laughs> I was just telling you guys here in the studio that I had a young person call and she never drove a car before and English wasn't her first language. And she basically already booked a road test with no vehicle to use. And she called the driving school one to do only a one-hour driving lesson, go straight into her road test, and she never drove a car before. I did not take her out. And she was going to try and borrow your vehicle? She was trying to use the driving school car for the road test that same day she never drove before. Well, some people look like they've only driven for an hour before they took the drivers, but <laughs> that, anyway, that's, that's a whole other point. Uh, lots of people wondering with, through the text line and, uh, and so on, uh, or complaining about merging. I mean, I guess the, probably the top complaints about other drivers would be not signaling, and the other one would be maybe the left laners, and you know, be going slow in the left lane, or at least slower than I want you to in the left lane. And the other one would have to do with uh, merging, especially when you're going onto the yellowhead, the henday, the white mud, that sort of thing. So what? What are Give us give us the, the, the lowdown on how to merge. So let's look at the law first. What the law okay. really states is it's shared or dual responsibility. No one, the merger or the mergey, has the clear right away. Really? Both drivers must work together to allow that merging vehicle onto mm -hmm. the roadway. So both of them have responsibilities. If you're merging, get yourself up to the speed of traffic, match the speed those gaps are moving at, signal your intentions and move over. Do not try and come in fast faster than the traffic on the main thoroughfare or slower on the main yeah. thoroughfare. If you're on the main thoroughfare, if you have the opportunity, move to the other lane to create a larger gap to let that vehicle in. Some drivers think, okay, you can come in, but as long as it's behind me, I got no problem with you coming on the road. Hmm. That's not the right attitude to take. Let the people in. They're going to come in anyways. You might as well let them in safely. Yeah, and you should be creating gaps for people to be able to come onto the freeway too as well. Now, people are going to be, so you're kind of talking about the, the law of dual responsibility, and then there's the, maybe the social convenience of, you know, be a nice person out there. But people are going to say, yeah, well, if it doesn't work, if that whole system of being kind and polite Canadians doesn't work, and it screws up, who gets the ticket? Actually, it can go to both. Oh. It can go to both. It's interesting. You take a look in Alberta. We don't have a whole lot of traffic volume as compared to a lot of major U.S. cities. And if you take a look at the freeways in Los Angeles or yeah, Seattle, they've got the stop-and-go lights at the top of the merge ramps where they actually put a red light on for a few seconds to create one person at a time coming down that merge ramp to let people merge safely on there. And it works very, very well. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Greg, what would you like to talk about? Oh. Hi, Greg. Oh, I'm on. Okay. <laughs> I'm a class one driver. I've been driving for six years now. Just turned, yeah, just turned six years. So I'm just still a newbie, right? Um, in all imaginations, whatnot. But I had a girlfriend way back in the day that was from Alabama. 
And when she went for class five or, or just a little vehicle driving test, whatnot, they asked them, um, what would you do in a situation around a semi? Um, now in Alberta, when I first got my license, when I was, you know, 14, my learners, and then 16 as my, you know, GDL or whatnot, I had absolutely no idea what to do around a semi at all. I could, you know, I was a cocky, a cocky guy. Okay. I, you know, is there any, like, is the driving schools starting to teach more of these younger guys or girls how to drive around semis or, you know, how, you know, why this semi's doing this or that, all that kind of stuff? Okay, good question, Greg. I'm just going to, I'll uh, I'll hang up on you and let you uh, oh. t- uh, hear the answer over the radio, all right? All right, perfect. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for the call. Bye-bye. So what we do at AMA Driver Education is we teach a full module around interacting with large vehicles. Mm -hmm. If you cannot see the mirrors, or more specifically, you can't see the driver in the mirror, the driver cannot see you, and you could have anything happen at that time. So what we try and do is keep back from the semi when you're going to pass the semi. Do it with uh, least time beside it as you possibly can, and try and keep your eye on that semi-trailer mirrors. Make sure you see the driver's face in that if he if you can see him he can see you don't spend too much time beside him yeah and when you're coming up to an intersection light and you can already see the light is turning red and there's a semi on your right don't try and pass him and try and cut in front of him coming up to the intersection light because he's already judged how much time it's going to need for him to be able to slow and stop that vehicle down you're dealing with a large vehicle, it's going to take way more time and space to be able to slow it down. And like Rick talked about earlier, it's not just having the right of way, it's the right of weight, especially yeah. when you're dealing uh, with semis. Somebody brought this up on a text to 630-630, so I want to throw it at you too. Uh, what are the rules around when you can and cannot do a U-turn? Ah, this is interesting. We see U-turns on the road virtually every day rush hour makes no difference. What the law states is you can make a U-turn only at an intersection, but you cannot make a U-turn at an intersection controlled by traffic lights or traffic control device. So you get a whole lot of people making U-turn at traffic lights when the light turns green right then and there. You can be ticketed for it. It is not a safe maneuver Mm -hmm. at all. What we teach is go around the block. It may take you 30 seconds or a minute longer, but it's a heck of a lot safer than trying to blow a U-turn in the middle of traffic. Exactly. We haven't even got it. We only have a minute left, and we haven't even got into parallel parking. Hi-yi-yi. <laughs> How do we go a whole hour of talking about driving problems without talking about parallel parking? To me, that's one of those things where uh, I think a lot of people haven't done it since their driver's test. Exactly. They've yeah. had their license for 30-plus years, and they'll drive around the block three or four times looking for a spot they can pull into so they can avoid parking. Or they'll just go home. We'll just go home, yeah. It's not yeah. worth it. I kind of enjoy the challenge, actually. And the beauty of parallel parking is if you follow the instructions that were put out in that book you got when you were 16 or whatever, it's, very uh, easy. it's pretty easy to do. It's just yeah. simple. It's, it's, it's angles. Okay, uh, we got maybe 20 seconds for each of you here. I'm just wondering, before we go, do you have any last-minute burning advice you'd just like to throw out at Edmonton drivers before we hang up on the segment? My challenge to all drivers is this. Be as good a driver as you really think you are. So if you think you're an 8 or 9 driver, drive like a an eight or nine, not like a two or three that you think everybody else on the road drives like. Exactly. And most people forget that most new drivers get into a crash in their first year of driving. So keep those good driving skills that you are taught and keep them for life. All right.
Sharon Callback, Rick Lang, uh, Sharon from Sharon's Driving School, and Rick from AMA Driver Education. Thanks a lot for coming in. This has been a lot of fun, a lot of calls and texts we couldn't get to. Uh, that tells me we'll have to do this again. Thank you Perfect. for having us. No problem at all. All right, and we may circle back to more of your texts uh, later on in the show as well. Uh, my name is Brenton Dreger, and you're listening to the 630 Chad Afternoon News. Eileen Bell has your headlines coming up next. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.